0: Now, it's interesting because I can share with you a hundred horrible things, but a thousand beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And and I can share with you, I will share with you some of the miracles that happen in my life. But the thing is, not everybody has those miracles. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And you get frustrated when you are dealing with illness and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, And I remember me being on that stage, like why everybody around me in the hospital can't stand up and I can't, you know, why, why this little kid, why my son is walking before me.
1: Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business place of transformation passion and purpose if you're still breathing you are power for impact hello everybody and welcome back to the ron huntley leadership podcast i am ron huntley and i'm so blessed to have with us today paula umana paula umana is a former professional tennis player she's a catholic speaker and author and a mother of five welcome to the show paula
0: Thank you so much, Ron. This is a beautiful morning and, you know, hello from Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hello, back from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Paula, I love sports. I love what sports brings out in me. I love the competitive nature, the exercise, the camaraderie. There's so much fun to be had in sports. But I have to be honest, I don't think I was good at anything. I played <laughs> everything. I was good at nothing. But it didn't spoil the fun. But what was it like? What is it like to just be at the top of your preferred sport?
0: Well, uh, you know, I was born in Costa Rica. It's a small country, and um, I was number one in Costa Rica and Central America for nine years. And it sounds like, wow, but to get there, it's a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, of course. It was not something like, I was not super talented in the sport, um, and, you know, it requires a lot of work to get and be number one in a sport. And sometimes it's a fact of working hard and also have a good health and have the resources that, that it was, of course, it was not easy at all.
1: Mm, I bet. You know, as I think about Paris renewal, I'm sure a lot of us feel like we're not particularly talented in it. And, and yet, if we work hard and we stay dedicated you know good things can happen if we get the help and the support which it sounds like that was a big part of your life and so how did your how did your career progress how did family fit into that where does your faith fit into that tell us a little about your story
0: i was born in a family of seven children in costa rica and i am the youngest of the seven i remember My dad, you know, we were not a poor family, but we were not very wealthy. We were normal. You know, my dad was a dentist and well, here in the United States, dentists are usually very wealthy, but in Costa Rica, kind of, you know, he used to work (laughs) for the children's hospital. And one day he came home and he said, I bought a membership for the tennis club (laughs) and he gave me uh, a wood racket and and then i went the next day and i started to hit the ball against the wall and i really like it i say wow this is a nice sport i really i really like it and i start to go every day in summer but when it was the school year i used to stop you know um and also it was not easy transportation you know i used right. to take a public bus and being there for an hour to go to the tennis club and it's so funny ron because in costa rica it's something Nobody told me when I was little, but in Costa Rica, um, you know, it's beautiful from December to like May, it's sunshine, the weather is perfect, you know, but then from May to November, it rains every afternoon. (laughs) It's just beautiful morning sunshine. And then at 2 p.m., the rain starts and we used not to have any indoor courts. Um, So I remember taking the bus for an hour and then going to the tennis club and the rain starts and I couldn't play. It it was funny. It is because it's a country that we don't have the four seasons. So it's just rain or not rain. And that's it. You know, but everything is green and beautiful. Um, But nobody told me you are on the rain season and you're not going to be able to play tennis in the afternoons. It's something I realized with the years. But anyway, um, yes, I grow like that in a family. And I remember the first time uh, my dad signed me up for a tennis tournament and I was so nervous and I won my first match and I realized, I like this sport, this is nice. Um, But I remember when I start to get better and better, all those phone calls from the Costa Rican Tennis Federation saying, would you like to send Paula to play international? And my dad was saying, oh, thank you, you know, and I was crying behind the door because we couldn't afford to send me in an airplane to go to another country. And he was so funny in the family of seven. uh, Mm -hmm. I start to play a lot and the shoes, uh, you know, they get destroyed very fast. So Mm -hmm. my dad was very creative and he used to buy, I don't know how to explain you, like big pieces of rubber. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he put it with glue, crazy glue on the shoe That's
1: awesome. for
0: us to reu- reuse the shoes or use the famous shoe goo. I don't know if you remember yes, the shoe goo. Yes, glue.
1: I have some in my shed. He yeah. became
0: professional using that. Anyway, <laughs> so it was a process. It was a process. I'm telling you, I'm telling you all this to know that it was not easy. But then when I was around 15, my brother-in-law that became my sister husband came from United States and he said, Paula, you're already national champion. Would you like to become a professional tennis player? I said, I don't know how to do that. I don't have an idea. And he um he says, Well, you're gonna have to become a homeschooler, and I can be your coach. And that was the beginning of, of a big career. And then after that, I used to start to figure it out uh, to find sponsors and right. how to how to get a sponsor. It's so funny, Ron, the first time I got a new sponsor, I went to see a, a big company of hotels in Costa Rica and I brought them a box, you know, a big box with all my trophies inside. And I I said, I am the champion and here are my trophies. <laughs> and, I, and I just took a piece of paper, you know, from a notebook, you know, and I wrote them in the paper. I won this tournament, I am this, you know, not a proposal. No, you know, (laughs) I just came to the CEO of the company. I said, these are my trophies and this is who I am. And this is what I would like to see if you can pay for my career. And they say, yes, we're going to pay you for your career. So that's Uh when my dream started. And I was able to uh, travel all around the world and and you know and get everything I needed out the best rackets and the best uniforms and everything and for me it was a dream of course. And, and I just uh you know and I became professional tennis player. I moved to Miami with uh, the, the coach of Gabriella Sabatini and and that's when I started to learn how to get in the world rank and and how to get everything. So it was it was very hard and difficult um but you know it was a dream for me. Of course
1: that is beautiful did you ever approach shugu as one of your sponsors that they would have (laughs) (laughs) For all of you kids listening you don't need the best equipment to be good like become really good and then get the best equipment exactly parents get saddled with all these bills of equipment and everybody wants the best of everything but what a great example
0: and then talking about the faith i i grow in a family in a catholic family uh, you know, seven kids, my grandmother had fourteen kids, Anita, and I remember like every day she was always sitting on her house you know in a in a chair, and she was always doing I was like, "What is she doing? And she was praying the rosary Beautiful. um we never we never miss a mass. I don't remember one Sunday missing a mass ever. It's interesting because in Costa Rica, you don't belong to one parish. You just go, you just see the schedule on the newspaper because mm-hmm. it's a small country. And we see, oh, which mass matches with our schedule today? And you just go to any church, any mass, like according to your, your schedule of the Sunday. It's, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, And I, in the tennis career, I remember, you know, when my grandmother used to be at home and we arrived home with the tennis skirts we just ran to change because she was going to say we're going to, you know, we're not going to heaven if we wear those tennis skirts, you know. Um, so that was <laughs> something, something really funny. When I became professional, uh, I remember living in this tennis academy. It was really hard. Um, you know, the homesick and the way you feel lonely and the competitive environment is not easy because everybody's playing for money and playing for our rank. So it's very hard to have friends. When mm. you are in that environment, you know, everybody is kind of like nice, but it's fake because you are in the middle of a competition. Mm. So I used to go every night, you know, I used to live in Killiscane and there is a Catholic church called San Agnes. I used to go by bike there every day after my practice and stay there and pray until the end of the day because it was very difficult to live in the academy with the other girls and the values that sure. they were having. So I definitely saw the hand of God all the time and how how he opened doors for me for my dream all mm-hmm. the time. And, and for me, it was was my, my main resource on the difficult times.
1: Right. That's beautiful. I love how, I love how your faith sustained you through loneliness. My son played, went through the Canadian hockey system as a top ah. athlete and, and had to move away from home at, at 16 as well. And it is lonely. It is a sacrifice. It is difficult. Everybody mm-hmm. wants the glory. Everybody wants the fame, but not everybody realizes the sacrifice that goes into being really good at what you do. Um, when did things begin to shift for you? Sorry, what did you say? When did things begin to shift for you?
0: Well, um, then I, I have to share with you my mom mom's chapter right okay. <laughs> it, it was funny I play all this time professional and then I went back to Costa Rica and I spent there you know my old 20s uh 25 26 uh, I met my husband that uh, he's a chiropractor he's French and he was helping with the Olympic committee Olymp- Olympic Committee you know the mm-hmm. for sports and I was part of the you know the team and everything um so we met we moved to Georgia and when i moved here i started my own tennis company with kids and for women's i don't know but at least it happens to me every time you get pregnant you always think can i do this Uh, am i going to be able to have the same energy i'm going to be able to deal with the house and the work and the tennis and Mm -hmm. so for me it was always a question you know um, so I started to have children. We were a Catholic, we were a Catholic family, and um, I became a mother of four girls. It sounds like very fast, right? <laughs> but of
1: course, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it, it was not easy. Of course, every time you get pregnant, you deal with the morning sickness and and everything. And it's so funny because when you get pregnant, usually the hardest part is at the beginning when nobody cares about you because you look normal. Well, you are so sick and then at the end of the pregnancies when you are big it's over almost everybody says are you okay do you need anything i like it's too late you know <laughs> 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 but but yes i started to uh, we, we had a big family beautiful we moved to atlanta georgia where i have been here for maybe 20 years already okay. 21 years and it was a blessing because my oldest sister um, was hired by CNN and she was an there for 18 years in Spanish so when I moved here I already have family and my aunt too it was funny because Costa Rica is not that close from Atlanta or anything but but I have beautiful family here mm-hmm. so um, yes so I had my my four girls and and then uh, I say to my everything was pretty much during my life, I have hard times, but it was pretty much, I always used to have everything under control. Like you plan mm-hmm. something, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, we are in a society that you make your your plan, you write, write down your goals, uh, you know, and then you are focusing what you need or what you want and you try to accomplish it and everything was kind of moving on that direction. Right. So... I remember after Cecilia, so my first daughter is Marie. She's already in college now. And Clara, I'm heartbroken because she's leaving to college tomorrow. She's going to oh. UGA. Yes. <laughs> so after <laughs> we finish to record this you podcast, have a good cry. <laughs> we're going to finish packing and she's leaving tomorrow to college. Oh, my second one. Uh, I mean. can't believe it. You know how kids grow. And, and then Felicity um, is Felicity and Cecilia are in seventh grade nice. and and then I was, you know, I, I had the four girls that was seven years ago. I say to my husband, "I would like to get pregnant in March and then have a baby in December, and then I can go back to the tennis court to teach tennis in February." So guess what? <laughs> That happens. I got pregnant in March. (laughs) I got my baby in December. But in February, I was a paralyzed woman in a bed.
1: Wow. Say more. (laughs) What happened?
0: Yes. So life changes um, and everything changes. And I start to have the hardest time of my life. Oh, and I forgot to share with you, um, you know, before that, we, you know, my husband is a Catholic man, and we belong to two parishes, Holy Spirit, Catholic Church, and also St. Francis de Sales. Uh, we are a family that maybe I don't, I'm not that woman that cooks, and everybody sit down at 6 p.m., and I have an apron on, and there's a casserole. It's very difficult for me that, but we always um, pray together every day in the morning and in the night. Uh, We are not super holy. Sometimes the kids struggle. Sometimes one of them don't want to pray. Sometimes, uh, you know, teenagers don't want to do it, but we always do it no matter what. Um, So we grow like that, always honoring God, always putting God first um always a being on whatever we could. Um and so this situation came in our family, in our lives. And uh of course it, it was the beginning of of the hardest thing. And especially because I was always the kind of mom. I'm not a kind of mom to say, let's bake together, let's uh, let's do some craft, let me read you a book. I can't. It's just my style is let's go. Let's go to the park. Let's go to play tennis. Let's go to fiesta. Um, you know, let's go. That's the only way I I, I was able to be a mom. Let's share um, activities. One thing after another all the time. The most important is not to miss anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Making memories. I love it.
0: I don't know. Uh, So when this condition came to me, then it was extremely difficult because the kind of mom I was, was not, you know, a passive person. It was always pushing and trying and, you know, the tennis player.
1: Mm -hmm. That kept going. And so you were, so after the baby was born, that led to paralysis? Like, tell me, I don't understand.
0: Well, it was a long process. It was very confusing. Uh, the baby was born, and I start since the pregnancy. I start with some symptoms of tingling and numbing, and and being weak. But I thought, oh, this is just because I'm pregnant, and you know. So the baby was born, and my legs start to feel very numb too, you know, and weak. And I thought, oh, it's because maybe the epidural and the labor. But then, then things just start to fall from my hands and I wasn't able to write well. Uh, what's going on? This is so strange. So the baby was born in December of 2015 and for mm. February of 2016, one morning, uh, well, I was getting weaker and weaker until I wasn't able to go up the stairs. We were So we went to the first neurologist and he said, I think this is a, a syndrome and it can be really bad, but we didn't believe him. I was like, no, I'm the stronger. I'm married with a chiropractor. This is fine, I'm gonna be fine. But then two months later, one morning I wake up and I, I was not able anymore to really uh, have a lot of freedom walking. We were wondering what was going on. So mm-hmm. I put a toilet next to the bed. And when I was trying just to do the transfer from the bed to the toilet, I fell. Mm-hmm. And my legs were gone. all everything it's just imagine Ron, you just wake up one morning and you just don't feel from your waist down. It's gone. It was all gone. So I went to the hospital. I spent six months in the hospital. Everybody was so confused. Um, they were saying it's a mess. Uh, they were saying it's a it's a syndrome called Julian barre syndrome. Uh, and then after those six months of pushing and trying and spending and doing different treatments, I came back home and I was worse Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning was only from the waist down. But then it started to go up, up, up Mm -hmm. until the arms were gone, the hands were gone. And then I started to swallow and it was really it started to maybe paralyze that part, too. so the final diagnosis was a condition called CIDP. That is, sorry, it's a very long name. It's called Chronic Inflammatory demyelinating Polyneuropathy. Mm-hmm. And, and that is uh, when they were able to diagnose because they were doing tons of tests, mm. they said, okay, we're gonna go back to what we did in January that was putting plasma in my body, but we're gonna do it very aggressive every three weeks. Um, and it's very interesting because I'm kind of here sitting today talking to you. Uh, right now, I'm a person that has paraplegia. I will, I will tell you what's going on, but more than half of my body came back amazing. And everything wow. that, every time things start to come back, everything has is related to our blessed mother with, with something. So the first time I was able to sit down was on August 3rd of 2016. And on August 2nd, it's the day of Our Lady of the Angels in my country, Mm. which is big day. Imagine they close the country, they close the roads. Nobody goes to work that day. It's beautiful because it's a Catholic national day. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes in a peregrinage. Like my country has like 4 million and a half people, maybe two million and a half, three million walk and do the peregrinage and pray. So hundreds of people went on this walk for me. And the next day on August 3rd was the first time I was able to sit down. And for me, it was amazing. Um, now, it's interesting because I can share with you a hundred horrible things but a thousand beautiful things mm-hmm. and and i can share with you i will share with you some of the miracles that happen in my life but the thing is not everybody has those miracles sometimes it doesn't happen and you get frustrated when you are dealing with illness and suffering mm-hmm. um and I remember me being on that stage, like why everybody around me in the hospital can stand up and I can't. You know, why why this little kid, why my son is walking before me, you know, or has more strength before me. And you start to have all the thoughts about, you know, uh, how difficult and how you can get jealous of things that you never thought before you were going to be jealous
1: about. Hmm. I- yeah, I can't imagine. So, what what was so you got to see some miracles experience, some miracles and it, like as I'm listening to your story, it's, it's gripping. It's like holy smokes, like that's scary. And I can't imagine how challenging that is and and then and then there's these breakthroughs with the plasma thinking, what, half of your body came back? That's so amazing. And then being able to sit again. And and so there was probably a lot of little wins along the way, but what was that doing to, to your relationship with Jesus? Like, well, how was that impacted as you were dealing with suffering? And as like, I, I can't imagine that's easy.
0: It is interesting because it, deep in my heart, Always was that big confidence, you know, but I'm not that holy lady, you imagine. Of course,
1: none of us are.
0: You go through so many stages when suffering comes in your life. I will. I wish I can be that person that says, I accept everything, my Lord. And, you know, I just want to be with you for the rest of my life. But when the moment comes of frustration, I was like. Him, you mistake. You're doing a mistake. How come you can paralyze me in a bed, having five kids? It doesn't have any sense. You give me all these kids, and then I cannot take care of them. You know, what are we gonna do? Um, so you go through different stages. At the beginning, I cry. Then I realize the tears are not gonna do anything, and then I get angry, and I, I get angry with God. Kind of, you know, we have our good and bad days. Uh angry with the people around me that they couldn't understood what a disability is. And, and and you get frustrated, you know, I got frustrated when people used to come to the hospital and visit me and bring me things, but they, they just live in the room and I stay on the bed, I'm paralyzed. You start to deal with so many things. When you are dealing with an illness, it's very difficult. It's a package, it's not only the body. It's a spiritual, it's physical, it's financial, is the finance, is is the family. Um it's hard. It's really hard for everybody to understand what the person is dealing with. And also for the caregivers. Sometimes for the caregivers, it's more difficult than for the person dealing with the illness, because the person knows you know what you're feeling, but the per- the caregiver is confused and is tired and you know dealing with so many things. So I always have that confidence in Jesus and and then I start with the process I start to discover tools how to deal with the situation you know and and that that has been like a big inspiration with me but going back to the miracles I mean of course I cannot share everything with you today but no. it's it's a big relation between the blessed mother the first time i sit down what that's that day the first time i I was able to stand up and it's funny because i have videos was february 11 our lady of lords and and then right now i can walk i can walk with some devices on my legs that's awesome but It was funny because all the doctors and the neuro, sorry, you know, English is my second language, right? That's okay. So the neuromuscular, that's the right way to say that word? Neuromuscular, yeah. Neuromuscular, okay. Neuromuscular Excellence Clinic uh, in Vanderbilt told me, there is nothing we can do for you because from my knee to my feet is still paralyzed. Yes. So at the end, after all these treatments and prayers, uh, God gave me back half of the body, but the hands are a little bit damaged. And then from sure. the knee to the feet, it's still paralyzed. Yeah. Um, So there were no choice for me to walk. I was so frustrated. I say, give me something. They say, we, we don't have anything, but be thankful of everything that came back. So when my youngest daughter, Marie, my daughters went to Lourdes with a group of friends. She was in a mission in Spain and they went to Lourdes. That was in July 15, 2018. And she was there praying for me that day. On that day, I went to the supermarket. And I was a person with a walker, but holding it super hard. Not been able to have, never free. And some plastic junk in the legs, you know, trying, like, so I went to the supermarket, I was there and a lady stopped me and she said, I used to be like you. I didn't walk for 12 years, but now I have this and she pulled her pants up and I said, what is that? It looks like a Mercedes Benz in your legs. I have never seen that.
1: <laughs> Mercedes Benz.
0: <laughs> well, I really, oh, now we will say a Maserati. I don't know. So, <laughs> so, um. She said, I discovered this in Instagram. It's a guy in Seattle that he creates this device and it works. He used to do prosthetics for the veterans of the war and he created mm-hmm. this brace that works like a leg. So I applied for it. I I went there two months later and I came back home walking.
1: Oh um, my goodness. Yes,
0: yes. And, and it's amazing how... When I went there, only three people in Georgia had this. And one of them stopped me in the supermarket the day my daughter was in the Virgin of Lourdes praying. I'm sorry, Our Lady of Lourdes praying oh. for me. Um, So now I am every day. I just feel like, you know, Christmas, like next to <laughs> my bed, like you wake up and you used to have your bicycle in the Christmas tree.
1: Yeah,
0: I have the devices. I just put them on and I go and I can I can be free i can go everywhere i can i I cannot i can't run i cannot do too much heels i hold somebody Mm -hmm. but the rest i can be a mom you know so it's so beautiful
1: praise god you mentioned uh, paula you mentioned some tools that you were exposed to that kind of helped you clearly the devices were a big deal but did did you have any tools that or, or supports, like you mentioned, sometimes these serious illnesses, they don't just impact our body, they impact our our thinking, they impact mm-hmm. us spiritually. What, what tools did you use?
0: Yes, I mean, I just don't want you to hear the story to say, wow, Paula is amazing or poor Paula. I want you to, I want to give you something that maybe you can use in your life, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what matters at the end. Um, so there are several things that we love to share. One of them is, for me, the, the biggest the biggest tool, the, the best one. I remember I received the visit of a priest on, on my house when I was on the worst stage of the illness. Very bad. And, you know, at that time, there was no hope. I, I was so confused. I didn't know if I was going to die or not. And, and this priest came and gave me a boot camp, mm-hmm. you know, on the topic of offering your sufferings. and it's something that sounds like i don't know for my sufferings right Mm -hmm. but for me i didn't have any choice because you can take pills for panic and depression and be sleeping all day but the love for my kids i said they need a manager they i need to manage my house my mind is clear my body is gone but my mind is clear how i'm going to manage all this pain all this torture that they come to me and say, mom, can you brush my hair? And, they, and I was like, they forgot, they forget. I can't do anything, you know, they were used to that. So the priest, you know, he told me so many things. Um, so I used to have the first two, I, I would say, if you're dealing with a suffering, or even if you are not, anticipate, okay? And get ready and be ready. So the more the people share with you their problems and sufferings, The more useful you become if you manage it on the right way, you know, so they come to you or they share their problems or you have your children that are dealing with something with addiction. You have somebody that is very aggressive at home, family, friends, anything you have it in your list. For me, instead of a list was the wall of my room. The wall of my room used to be full of big phrases, why I'm suffering for. And pictures who I'm suffering for and a big picture of the Jesus of the mercy, the divine mercy, you know, there. So every time the pain comes or every time evil comes and say, don't you see, Paula, you're not useful for anything. Take off your life. You're not doing anything for your kids. You're 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 messing up everything. Everything is so expensive. What what are you going to be alive for? You know, because you hear all those voices when you're dealing with, with illness and suffering, it's very normal. So I just focus on the phrases and I focus, I'm praying for my friend that I haven't find a husband or a good husband for her. I'm praying for my sister that is dealing with a, you know, big disease on her skin and everybody's confused. I'm praying for my other friend that her son is a teenager, you know, smoking pot and she's, she doesn't know what to do. I'm praying my, my other friend that her husband is gone from the house or, or for this other friend that just said, please pray. I cannot share with you what I'm going through, you know? Mm. So, so it's amazing because when you learn how to offer your sufferings, if you can become an expert on that, I'm not saying I'm I'm one, but you get on the stage of privilege and purification. And eventually God gives you a special grace to deal with whatever you're going through your focus changes, you know, 360, you are not thinking anymore. Oh, my pain. Oh, I'm going through this. You're just in silence and you learn with good practice, you know, because there's a lot of practice for this Mm -hmm. to really offer your sufferings. And it's so beautiful. It's so useful. And it's amazing. We talk about missions to be a, you know, missionary, the, the the things you can do from bed as a missionary, it's amazing. So that is a huge tool, Ron, that for me was, you know, the biggest.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Like all those things you've just shared with me get me so excited. I, I think it's amazing that, you know, your dad introduced you to tennis and you gave it a try and thought, hey, this isn't so bad. And you chose to start working hard and practicing and having fun and just growing as a tennis player. And what I'm hearing you say is almost parallel. This priest came. He knew you were struggling and in, and he said, Paula, I want to give you a new tennis racket. I want to share with you what it looks like to offer up your suffering for others. And you chose, you chose to make that something you were going to pour yourself into and practice and get better at to give life purpose and meaning. I get goosebumps.
0: Now it's interesting because maybe on my it selfishness, I would choose not to do it. But it was because the love for my children, right. you know, and that is big. You you decide to offer sacrifice because love, you know, it's very important. Um, I knew they need a mom from bed to manage their house, to the do homework, and and to. to Deal with all the situations, so that was my only choice at that moment really, my only choice. And I was it, it's a privilege, so that is uh, the first tool I want to share with you. Another tool is to please accept your new person you are when the problem comes because sometimes we we put too much resistance on that situation. I mean, using the concept of resistance, on that way, uh, you don't want the situation to change. You want to be the old person you were before. You want to be the strong. I wanted to be the old Paula. I wanted to be the Paula who runs. Who, so when I, I, this is the old person that came in my life was a nun in in the room of the hospital, and she says, "Why do you look so desperate, Paula? Isn't it better to wait and see what God wants to do?" You know, she says, "Stop. This is it." So for me, when when Sister. Mother Andrea confront me with the situation. Isn't it better to stop and see what God wants to do? Then you accept it and you say, okay, this is this is my new person. Of course, we give the best, we keep fighting, but say, okay, I'm going to accept this situation. Then things get better because you take a monkey out of your shoulders, you know. Right. And it's so funny, but another tool I really want to say, anybody dealing with illness and suffering is something my teenager taught me. Um, I remember the first time when I was not able to walk, I went to Vanderbilt, I came home and she, I wanted to cry so badly because the doctors told me, you're never going to walk anymore. You know, This, this is it. So I didn't choose my sister that went with me to the clinic. We drove back home like three hours, no one tear. I was just like, and I didn't choose my husband to talk to him. I called my teenager to the room. Marie was, I think she was 15. And she came in the room. The door was open. And I said, Marie, I'm not going to walk. The doctor says, you know, and I I will never walk. You know, I will never be able to hold Charles' hand and walk with him. And I was in tears. I was devastated. Hmm. And this girl. With no mercy, she was laying on the on the door like this of the room. And she says, Mom, what are you going to do? Live your life and live it with what you have. One leg, two legs, one arm. But leave your life, Mom. This is it. This is who you are. Can I go and do my homework?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this conversation is over. I got stuff to do to get on with it.
0: Yeah. Like but for me it was huge because i stopped to feel sorry for myself right. you know that's a huge ingredient we always stay there feeling sorry for for what's going on and the sufferings no shake it out this is it accept it offer your sufferings and and move on you know so marie helped me to shake out that all these feeling sorry and and go ahead and move forward so I really recommend you that the fastest you, you say, this is it, the better it is. Now, if you're not having any sufferings in your life, I have bad news for you. It's going to come. It's going to come from one side or another. Well, you're, some of you may be lucky, maybe not, but it's going to come. So uh, the best yeah. thing you can do uh, that I really suggest to you is be ready, anticipate, and have your list when it's going to come, what I'm going to offer it for, you That's
1: know. so good. Yes. That's so proactive, <clears throat> you know, as you're sharing Paula, you know, you talked about how the evil one can kind of speak into us when we're suffering, basically to say, Hey, look at the burden you are on yourself, your family, the world financially, you're never going to get any better. Blah, 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 and just take your own life. Like just wants to, the author of death is ushering in deathful thoughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think about our culture here in canada you know we're just growing in assisted suicide and the catholic church is fighting feverishly against that and losing in terms of that political battle and stuff and and pragmatically so many people have just gone on with life without god without any spiritual connection to the purpose of life and what i'm finding paula what you shared with me today is like we have a responsibility and opportunity to give life purpose and when we do we realize as long as god's in our life we're always in a position of privilege and purification and and so i just think that's the best news ever that's good news like you're sharing the gospel with me and what i found interesting too as i was listening to your story and i just picked this up later on not only were you losing your faculties in terms of your limbs But it sounds like you were also in pain. Is that what you're saying? This was painful, too? It wasn't just
0: in the in the worst moments. Yes, it was very painful. Now I'm lucky. I'm more tingling. I'm numbness all the time. It's about feeling Mm -hmm. Uh, not pain. Maybe maybe God says, let me not give her that much pain. She's not going to make it, you know, (laughs) on that one. But but the other thing I just want to really ensure, like, please. Don't be scared for what is coming. Like, what I'm gonna do? What is gonna happen? You know, we survived five kids, the bills, every single day, for years. How they're gonna make it to school because they don't go to, um, they don't go to public school and the bus comes here. You know, mm-hmm. I I would give you thousands of miracles of happened One of the huge blessings was one of the best Catholic school in town called me and give a scholarship to all my kids. So. That was a good benefit from from what happened to me it's a beautiful school you know and and they provide everything at the beginning for my children so for me god was saying paula i know you're not doing well but i'm taking care of your kids you know so it was beautiful that but please when when the the time comes you're gonna have some bad days i had really bad days there were days that i say god where are you where are you what are we gonna do with this i remember Mm -hmm i was desperate desperate but eventually the answer comes just be patient and just promise to yourself that you are going to give your best with whatever you have available one mm-hmm. arm two, one leg half of your heart mm-hmm. half of your faith because you maybe you are not that person that you know that has all this holiness and But just very simple, whatever you have available that day, just keep the best with what you have available in the middle, in the midst of the suffering and in the midst of illness. And God is not going to let you. Don't worry. He's Mm going to be there and he is going to help you to go through with anything that is going to come.
1: Beautiful. So, Paula, I'm just mindful, like, you know, you grew up in Costa Rica, you know, just over four million people and. You have Catholic holidays where nobody goes to work. Everybody goes on these pilgrimages and honors these, you know, Mary and, and these Catholic feast days. But now you live in America. I live in Canada. There are so many people that don't know God at all. They just don't. And so, you know, you're saying what you're saying. And maybe maybe somebody's listening to this podcast says, you know, that's all right for you because you're a Catholic. But I don't even know if there is a God like would he love me like is any of this applicable to me like could can i approach god what would you say to them
0: well i just want to let you know that faith is free you can try imagine you're going to the supermarket when they give samples of things you know that you look at these cookies or or a drink or an ice cream and they they say would you like to try a little sample please try you don't you don't lose anything You know, God is free. He's not asking you for anything back. And just please try it. Mm -hmm. Don't be that hard with your mind and with yourself. I used to think, why God is going to care about me if I am one in billions and I'm sick and dying and I'm feeling this way? Even me that grows with all the faith, I have these questions. I understand if you don't believe in God, you have these questions. But please give a chance to God. Make an effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Catholicism, maybe you, you hear things in the news that you don't like for things, mistakes that the church has done in the past. But it's not God's fault. It's human's fault. Yeah. Don't put God on the package just to use a pretext for that and resist to God. Break that resistance and give a try. It is really good for you. Mm -hmm. You can use it like an amazing resource. And the Catholicism has like, I would say Catholic advantage, so many different resources. We have mass, we have the rosary. If you don't like those ones, try the divine mercy. If you don't like those ones, Try, what, is, what, what are the sacraments? You know, please try, make a try. Um, I wanna make it this light because I don't wanna sound to you like a very holy lady that, oh, I see Paula, but I will never be like her. No, I'm a human being full of mistakes. I say bad words, I get angry, I'm impatient, I'm a mom. You know, I deal with so many things. I have tons of vanity. You know, we all deal with that every day, but it's just for me, I didn't have a choice. I went to God because I did not have a choice. I couldn't drug myself and sleep in a bed, avoiding things. So uh so the other thing I want to mention, Ron, too, is about the book I wrote. Um, Please, so if you yes. want, we can talk about it.
1: 40 gifts of hope.
0: Yes, exactly. So what happened is I was very funny because when I was at the hospital, very ill, this thing happened to me. You know, you start to question God, and and people used to come to my room and bring me flowers and candy, and everybody say to you the same phrase: "You're gonna be fine," and I'm praying for you. But it's really hard when you are dealing with pain and illness. You get angry, like, "Oh yeah, sure." Or everybody says, go close to God because you're closer to die. So they're very scared that you're going to go to hell. So they want to push you, the faith, as much fast as they can because you're dying. So then it makes you more angry, right? So I said, I would like the paraplegic to talk to me. I would like the person really dealing with this to talk to me. How do they think? How do they manage all this pain and suffering? Why they are not talking to me. And this is another tool. Please, when you are in a difficult time, put your pride in aside, and look mm. for somebody dealing exactly with the same problem that you know. And if you don't know, find out and contact that person. Amen. You're going to save tons of energy, time, sometimes years, money, efforts. When somebody tells you, hey, is this way? This is the way I did it. So I wrote this book. It's called 40 Gifts of Hope. I want to show it to you. Oh, I have to send it to you, Ron.
1: I love that.
0: And what my book is, it looks very easy. Like I wrote this book, believe me. It was a lot of work. It was (laughs) two years of work. But the book has 40 short stories for anybody dealing with illness and suffering or their families dealing with the person with illness and suffering. Oh. And the stories are uh, 14 of them. It's me and the rest is people I interview around the world. People in Spain, in Colombia, in the United States, in different countries. And it's funny because each interview was maybe two three hours trying to share mm. with them. It was beautiful because they share with me all their suffering because mm. they knew I was going through the same. Yes. And then through the interview, we discover what was the tool that they use and how they manage it the day by day the stories are very short after all those three hours of talking why because when we are ill we don't have patience we don't want somebody to read us too long tell us too much so Mm. it's short on purpose and the resource that we offer, there is beautiful prayers, Bible verses, phrases of saints, exercises, art activities, um, all kinds of things that you can do on the day by day suffering. And you can put a person, you know, can you read me the story and, and they read it to you or you can read it. I, make, I, be, I was sure that the letter was big, so no little like you cannot see well that he has enough pictures that he has enough space um so it's a beautiful present for anybody dealing with illness and suffering and i call it 40 gifts of hope because 40 is 40 stories and then i realized how important is 40 after i did it right 40 it's the land days it's how many days moses was in the desert uh And and it's purple and it's the color of Lent. But believe me, when I did all, I didn't realize all that. So it was nice. (laughs) And and the book is in English and Spanish. You can get the book in Amazon. You just put 40 Gifts of Hope, Amazon Canada, and you will get it. Uh, Or you can go to my webpage that is paulaspeaker.com. And you can see, you can get it there too, uh, in English and Spanish. The book has been a success. Uh, It has been it has been, you know, people from all all over the world write me and ask me questions and and it's exciting. And next week we will be an EWTN promoting it. They invite me there for, for you know for the book. And then the funny part, Ron, was also to become a speaker. Um I have to confess you something. <laughs> the funniest part to be a speaker is not to speak. It is that now anybody around the world, a church, a diocese, a company, uh, I don't know, they contact me and they say, Paula, we want to bring you. So I pick one of my kids oh, because yes. I cannot go by myself. With yes. this ability, when I take on my braces, that's it. I need help. Mm-hmm. So now my kids fight between them. I want to go with mom. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. So we go together in an airplane, we eat in a good restaurant together. We go in the hotel, my kids jump on the bed. Uh. Uh, I give the conference and and everybody loves them. Whoever is with me, we sell the book and then we go back to the airport and in the airport I buy presents for my kids from the city (laughs) I went, Oklahoma, San Francisco. You know Chicago, so I come home and mommy, what did you bring me? You know, it is it is so nice to to see to 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 have to be able to do this after so much suffering, right. you know, and that is something that I can enjoy with them and with my husband too, of course. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I'm here to serve the community, uh, Catholic or. You know, I also go to non-Catholic groups. It's hard for me because I have to sneak a little bit the faith, and I don't (laughs) like that that much. But I do it sometimes. (laughs) I have to do a TED talk next month, and it has been hard.
1: Oh, Uh, that's wonderful!
0: But but if you want to bring me over to your parish, diocese, to share with you my testimony and bring hope, I will love to. I enjoy that so much. And, That's wonderful. you know, and I also can do it in French for Canada. Je parle français aussi.
1: Oh, there's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing you can't do. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I love that. That, is, that is so fun, Paul. I love I love your spirit. I love your tenacity. I love your humility to, to to share, but also to be learning in the midst of those difficult times and to be able to share that, you know, your advice today Coming from you means so much to those that are also suffering. If somebody like me said that, who currently isn't dealing with suffering, you be like, what do you know? And the truth is, I don't know much about that. But to your point, we're all going to suffer at different times, and I have suffered greatly multiple times, not always physically, Mm. sometimes psychologically, sometimes spiritually, sometimes financially. Mm. Uh, There's all kinds of ways to suffer, and I think your advice today, your insight, your wisdom, your faith, your testimony is really helpful. And so I want to say thank you for you doing what you do. I just encourage all of our listeners to to pick up that book. Christmas is coming, not too distant future. So buy some for your family. Suffering really does impact us all, and uh, and I know there's speaker organizers now that we're post COVID restrictions that events and and so forth are, are, are booking again. And so go to Paula's website and mm-hmm. uh, and book her as a speaker.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Actually, it's funny because uh, Legatus Vancouver. Mm-hmm. he invited me to do a talk for them virtual on september 2nd so i'm very excited how god connects me with canada Isn't you know that and canada is the only country i never visit when i play tennis from all the continents of america uh i hope i can go one day wouldn't,
1: <laughs> wouldn't that be fun well you said in costa rica you have two seasons rain and no rain yes in, in canada we have snow or no snow <laughs> we only (laughs) have two seasons too so i I totally get that (laughs) Uh well it's wonderful and again thank you to all the listeners for your continued support thank you for following us on facebook Uh, thank you for uh, subscribing leaving comments all that stuff helps the algorithm so i really really appreciate you journeying with us i hope today's episode has inspired you in faith given you tools to work with and some great christmas ideas thank you paula and god bless you thank you for listening thank
0: you so much to everybody and just one thing remember the most important is just to serve and worship the lord and try to go to heaven that's Mm -hmm. it (laughs)
1: And bring as many people as you can with you. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Thanks, Paul.
0: Thank you so much. God bless.
1: I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you